have a Bible, it will really help you to have one. So put your hands up and the stewards will gladly bring you one. And uh, as they do that, uh, I've been thinking a little bit about uh, Kanye West this last few weeks. He's a rapper. Uh, apparently he's become a Christian. He's produced an album called Jesus is King. It's causing quite a bit of excitement. But it reminds me of um, back at the end of uh, the 1970s when Bob Dylan uh, kind of went through a Christian phase and he produced a new album, uh, first Christian album called uh, Slow Train Coming. And the opening track is called Gotta Serve Somebody. I'm going to sing it to you. No, I'm not. I won't. I won't do that to you. But let me, let me give you a flavor of this, uh, of this song. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You may like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed. You're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. You may be a preacher with your spiritual pride. You may be a city councilman taking bribes on the side. You may be working in a barber shop. You may know how to cut hair. You may be somebody's mistress. You may be somebody's heir. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it might be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. There's five more verses where that came from. I'll let you listen in your own time. But I actually think that the chorus kind of gets to one of the main big points of, of Romans chapter 6. So please open it up to page 1133. Because the appeal of God's word to us today is this. You're going to have to serve somebody, so offer yourselves to serve God. That's the appeal of God's word today. Offer yourselves to serve God. Uh, we've all got choices this week um, about who we're going to serve. A friend of mine has been coming to terms with how their health will never be the same. Uh, they're coping with tiredness, endless hospital visits, and many discomforts. And there are many times that they think discouraging thoughts and they can sink into despair. And in the bleakest moments, the thought comes, I could pick up that scissors, uh, I could pick up that knife and end it all. Another friend who finds it easy to smile uh, at church and make jokes uh, at church, but actually the home life is full of frustration. The family walk around him uh, on eggshells. He shouts at his wife. He shouts at his children. Walls have been punched. Things have been thrown. A few years ago, uh, a church attender arrived in my study. He was considered to be one of the great servant-hearted people in the congregation, but he could hardly look me in the eye. Uh, he'd been arrested for engaging in uh, lewd acts in the local park. He would appear before the judge. It would be public, and his story spilled out. Decades ago, he started buying pornography magazines. This led eventually to visiting prostitutes, and then this kind of finally ended in him visiting a meeting with complete strangers in a notorious city park. All these people professing Christians, but in their darkest moments, they'd forgotten two fundamental things, who they were and who they served. 
So let me read from Romans chapter 6 and verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations, just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is God's word. Now, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, uh, you'll notice that the question in verse 15 is very similar to the one in verse 1. Look back at chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And verse 15 looks very similar, doesn't it? What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? Here's the question. Does the good news that we're saved from God's wrath through trusting Jesus, that we're saved by grace alone, by trusting Christ alone, does that promote sinful immorality? Does that promote a life that just does whatever it wants to do? Does grace give license to Christians to sin? That's the question. And uh, Paul's answer, again, in verse 15, is uh, similar to chapter 6, verse 1. Of course not. By no means. And in this chapter, in two halves, he's been showing why such a view is unthinkable. And the first 14 verses we saw, it follows from the logic of our baptism. That, that, that rules out an immoral life. Because he says, well, remember your baptism. Remember your new identity. Remember that when you were baptized, it, it reminds you that you were crucified with Christ. You were buried with Christ. You were raised with Christ. Your life is now intertwined with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so remember when you feel the pull of sinful temptations. Remember who you are. You're now united with Christ. The penalty for sin is paid and the power of sin is now broken. Sin has no authority over your life anymore. You died to sin. Why live in it any longer? That was the argument uh, from the first 14 verses. 
And then from the logic of their baptism, in the second half, he looks at the logic of their conversion in verses 15 to 23. He reminds them of who we are now called to serve. Look at verse 16 again. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to somebody as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you're a slave to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Now, this illustration of slavery, it, it seems odd and unfamiliar to us, but back in the first century, in the Roman world, uh, a third of the population of Italy would have been slaves. Uh, perhaps many of the people that he's writing to in Rome were slaves. And of course, uh, slaves are different to employees. Employees have a choice whether to offer their labor. Slaves do not. When the master says, do it, you do it. Now, Paul admits it's an imperfect example, and we're going to see why it's a bit imperfect a little bit later. But basically, he describes a helpful contrast between two masters and two types of service and two types of rewards. That's what we're going to examine this morning. Uh, don't you know that you serve one of two masters? According to verse 16, you're either a slave to sin or you're a slave of obedience. That's an unusual phrase, but when you look at the whole letter, you'll see that the book of Romans begins and ends with Paul saying that he preaches the gospel that results in the obedience of faith to Christ. And so you see, trust in Christ leads me to desire to obey God. So really what the contrast is, is this. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to God, which is what it explicitly says in verse 22. Now we don't like that stark contrast. Uh, we like to kid ourselves that there's a third option where we will be a slave to no one but our self-determining Selves. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul, says the poem Invictus by Henley. But of course, the essence of sin is exactly this. That when we put ourselves at the center of the universe, the captain of our soul, uh, we think we're going to be the master. It may take some time for people to work this out, but that is the essence of sin. Putting yourself first, asserting yourself over God. And we find that actually sin ends up mastering us. We sin and we become a slave to sin. You're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil. It may be the Lord. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Now how do you know which one you're serving? Well, he goes to uh, the marketplace, the slave marketplace. And he says, you know, imagine going up and talking to a slave and saying... Uh, you know, who's your master? And the, the slave tells you the answer. Now, you're not sure whether they're telling the truth or not. So how do you know whether they're telling the truth or not? Well, hang around and wait for someone to turn up and bark an order at them and see who they respond to because that who is their master. You're either offering yourself to obey when sin calls or you're, because of your conversion, you're offering yourself to God. And so the person who says, well, I, I'm saved by grace, uh, and then I can just keep on sinning and doing as I please, then the Apostle Paul's reply is this, well, don't you know 
you show yourself to be a slave of the one you obey. It's no good saying you're a Christian when the only voice you really listen to and follow is the call of sin in your life. And so God's word would say to us today, offer yourselves to God, for that is the only alternative to the slavery of sin. And you see, by God's amazing grace, this is the option that is open to Christians. Because the person who puts their trust in Jesus Christ undergoes an amazing conversion, an amazing transformation because of this fundamental change of allegiance. It's described in verse 17, if you take a look. Notice Paul is filled with thanksgiving to God about it. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin and you have become slaves to righteousness. This is the remarkable change of conversion. Uh, he reminds these Christians in Rome, and I think we need to keep reminding each other of this truth, that while we used to be slaves to sin, God's grace frees us. It emancipates us from the tyranny of having sin as our master and brings us into a new life of service of righteousness and the God of righteousness. How does it happen? Well, it describes in verse 17 that there's a teaching that transforms me, that changes me from the inside out. It changes the very motivations of my heart. And what is that teaching? It's the gospel of God. That's what we've been looking at in Romans. It's the good news about Jesus Christ, about God's Son, that teaches me that I can be justified, declared right before God by faith in Jesus, by faith in Him alone. I can be made right with God by this amazing grace. And when I hear it and when I believe it, when I give my allegiance to Christ and his gospel, then this great transformation of ownership takes place. Amazing grace conquers me. You have been set free from sin. And you've become slaves to righteousness. And So God's word would say to us today, offer yourselves to God because he has set us free by the word of his grace, the gospel. That's the first point. You serve either one of two masters. But notice too, he talks about you're engaged in either one of two types of service in verse 19. Look at verse 19. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves of righteousness leading to holiness these two masters require two types of service see when sin is your master the service that you're called to offer is a downward spiral of impurity of ever more debased desires and and, and moral filth and each giving of yourself to serve those desires seems to drag you deeper and deeper into wickedness. That's the service that sin 
uh, calls on us to follow. Really, that's the story that gets well covered in films and TV shows. It, it eventually fills the newspapers. Uh, you'll read the newspapers today. You'll read some horrific stories of how far sin has led people to such debased and wicked activities. I know that's true because it's in every newspaper every day. This is the downward spiral of a life given over to sin. When the God of righteousness is our master, then the service you're called to offer is the upward road that leads to holiness. That's an odd word, holiness. What do we mean by holiness? It's a life set apart for God. It is a life that looks like Jesus. What is holiness? Well, look at Jesus. A life where you respond to people with compassion, with love with joy, with peace and kindness and and goodness and self-control. It's a life of worship that delights to serve and praise and honor God with the whole of your body, the whole of your being. And what a dramatic difference between these two forms of service required by these two masters. But as Paul says, it's it's an incomplete illustration It falls down in in lots of ways. You know, sin is cruel. God is so gracious. Uh, Sin forces, coerces. God grants the Christian freedom to choose. That's why this text is is a sort of a, a warm invitation. Enjoy the freedom that you have. It's a choice you're going to have to make. You're going to serve somebody, it may be the devil, maybe the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody, so why don't you serve the Lord? And so offer yourselves to God, because instead of grim, a grim process of moral deterioration, He offers us the glorious process of moral transformation and holiness. And Lastly, notice that there's two types of rewards. Look at uh, verse 20. You're going to receive one of these two types. Verse 20. When you were a slave to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. See, there is a form of freedom when you're a slave to sin and you're free from the obligation to do the right thing. But, my Christian friends, as you look back on your old life when it was like that, what benefit did you receive of living that way? Is it not true that you look back with a sense of shame at some of those things that you once did? The memory of them can still haunt you. To be reminded of them causes pain and sadness because your actions resulted in harm to yourself, harm to your relationships, disobeying God, as you obeyed sin remorselessly. And actually, the, the, the end road of a life that's given that way, it says here, is death. Eternal death. Eternal separation from God. Now, how different is the benefit of being slaves to God? Look at verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin 
and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. My friends, as you engage in acts of righteousness, as you become more and more like Jesus, you will not be ashamed of responding in those ways. What's being offered out is a life where you have integrity and thankfulness. You're not, you're not going to be full of shame when you live on this route, on this road. And the end result of such a life is eternal life. Now it's very important that we get verse 23 at this point. Because I'm not saying live a good life and then you get eternal life. That's not what the verse is saying. Look back at verse 23. This is the great summary verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is a very carefully uh, worded verse so that we don't think our righteous good deeds earns us eternal life. I hope you can spot it already. Here's my tenuous link to Remembrance Day. It talks about the wages of sin. Um, in the original language, that, that, that term wages is very much linked to soldiers' pay. I discovered that in 1939, a private infantry soldier was paid two shillings a day. And I went through the inflation websites and discovered that relates to about £6.50 a day. Isn't that incredible? Uh, your pay for putting your life on the line was £195 a month. Not very much, was it? Well, general sin always pays his wages, and the wages of sin is death, eternal death, eternal separation from God. But do you see the major difference in the comparison? It does not talk about the wages of God. It talks about the gift of God. We could never earn the reward of eternal life. Choosing to live righteously and, and go the way of holiness is not some sort of attempt to earn merit. No, 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 no. It, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so offer yourselves to God. Because instead of leading us down a path that ends in eternal death, through Christ we're led upward to holiness and eternal life. Now this truth needs to be applied in our lives. We need to kind of massage the truth deep in us because we are so forgetful. That's why Paul keeps saying in this chapter, don't you know? He keeps reminding them of, of their baptism, of their conversion, and the, the necessary implications of this. Don't you know? Don't you get this? And we actually need to do this to each other, to remind each other, don't you know this? About your conversion? See, my angry friend needs to see his anger is not righteous. But really, he's just obeying his own sinful, selfish demands. He wants to get his own way in the home. And he needs to see the terrible consequences of what it's doing in his life. Things of which he is ashamed. Ashamed of his outbursts of anger. Ashamed at that hole in the wall that reminds everybody of how much he can lose it. He's destroying his relationships. He's ruining his marriage. 
And he needs to remember that now that he's united to Christ, he's called to serve God rather than his sin. He can seek God's grace to, to forgive him for the times he's, he's failed in the past, but also he needs to seek God's grace to empower him to stop demanding his own comfort and ease. And instead of using angry, violent words, to start using words that will bless and encourage. Instead of bringing great anger and strife in the home, to actually move towards his family with gentleness and service and love. And by God's grace, that is possible. My friend who was arrested in the park, it was a big wake-up call. And in truth, he'd been living his life not with Jesus at the center of it. And he needed to remember that Jesus Christ had to be the center of his life. Every aspect of, of his life, including his sex life. He needed to see the full ugliness of where his slavery had led him to, to, to genuinely repent. And then through a long road of recovery, to choose to obey the call of Christ uh, with the encouragement of an accountability group, he began to choose to offer his body as a slave to righteousness rather than to sin. To, to destroy the pornography, to stop visiting the places where he would experience the most intense temptation, to fill his mind and his heart with the truths of God's word, to keep reminding himself of the gospel of God's grace. And step by step, walking righteously, he entered into a new freedom. And the great joy for him was that he began to live life for which he was not ashamed. Because he was giving himself to purity rather than impurity. My friend with the health problem shared their dark thoughts with other Christians. Friends were able to remind them of the gospel and suggest practical ways to recall the grace of God that is there to help them in their daily challenges, even as they cope with health not being the same. And so instead of reaching for a knife, they reach for scissors to uh, create cards so they can send these handmade cards to encourage other people about the grace of God. In short, that person is offering their body as a servant of righteousness, as a servant of God, rather than a servant of sin. We all have a decision this week about how we're going to use our bodies what are we going to do with our lives? You're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil. It may be the Lord. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Who are you going to serve in this week ahead? The Bible says to us, offer yourselves to God. It's the only alternative to the slavery of sin. He set us free by the gospel of his amazing grace. He offers us freedom that can transform our lives into holiness. And through Christ, he leads us onward and upward to eternal life. Amazing grace. Turn to him now. Let's pray.